there's rumors in the Twitter sphere. Kind of on the topic for today. Love a role on the mat. On the mats. Say on the mat tonight. On the mat. Go on the mats. On the mat. On the mat. So glad you could make it out tonight. I, uh, I really appreciate y'all bringing me on the show. Good to go. Oh, yeah! All right, here we go. Thursday, April 14th, 2022. We're dropping another episode of On the Mat with Coach Mark. I'm running solo today. I'm going to try to bring as many people on as I can. Hopefully schedule different guests, different people to come on, share their experiences. I'm looking for local martial artists of all ages, of all backgrounds, who would like to share their story, their experiences with not just jujitsu, but any martial art, hopefully going to bring you a wide variety of people from around the state who have similar interests, either train martial arts or have trained martial arts. And I really want to get a diverse look at the different types of people that martial arts attracts and how impactful it's been on certain people's lives. So that's the plan for these ones here. I might jump on every now and again and go solo and answer some questions. People send in, they either DM questions or they email in questions, which all of that is welcome. You're welcome to jump online when we're on live, ask questions for the hosts, for any of the guest hosts, co-hosts. You're welcome to send in questions either by uh, message or email. So we're going to be talking about jiu-jitsu today mainly, and we'll address some of these questions that have come in about jiu-jitsu, martial arts, or different gyms you may attend. First question is, what are some of the unwritten rules or unspoken rules of BJJ? This could vary depending on the gym, depending on the type of gym that you're at, the vibe and the culture and the atmosphere. There's certain things that all people will universally tell you. Maybe, you know, don't do this, don't do that. No elbows, you know, into the thighs to break the guard. I feel personally that unspoken rules or unwritten rules should really be spoken. They don't have to be written, but I believe these unspoken rules should definitely be spoken more often. One of the main ones is, you know, Don't step on the mat with your shoes. That's a huge pet peeve of mine. You know, when I'm dealing with little kids, it's very hard to explain to them what's going on when they first come in. So I usually start with, you know, I only have one rule. You know, the biggest thing is, you know, don't step on the mat with your shoes. We try to keep the mats as clean as possible. It's definitely a struggle to be able to properly clean and run classes, uh, but it's in the best interest of everyone. So we appreciate you guys wearing your shoes or you know wearing some sandals while you're in the restroom, not walking around barefoot, you know, not stepping on the mat. And, and I think that kind of courtesy should be extended to competitions that you go to. As we've been traveling the last few years with our comp team, we've really, I've seen a lot of times where people have to, the PA guy has to announce multiple times to competitors to keep their shoes on, not to walk around barefoot. Just because it's not your gym, just because it's a competition, whether it's a a big one, regional, or a local competition, always show that type, same type of respect. Don't walk around barefoot, which I know happens a lot in competitions. Don't step on the mats with your shoes. That, if you ask me, that's the main one. All the other ones will vary depending on who you talk to. And, and, And I don't mind 
I don't mind. I don't have a whole list of stuff that should or shouldn't be done. Maybe just have, you know, a little bit of respect for your training partner. I think that's one of the biggest things. One, um, another question that got sent in is what's your advice on how not to be that guy at the gym? And I'm, and I'm assuming like that guy means that guy that people don't want to roll with that guy that maybe brings the vibe down or doesn't, doesn't do things the way that everyone else does. And, and that's just to be observant and aware, be aware of the place that you're at, be respectful. It's interesting to me because I don't come from a very deep martial arts background. I've only been doing this for five or six years. So when I see people who come in and bow before they walk in the door, they bow to the building, they bow onto the mat, they're very courteous and respectful. That's the best advice on how not to be that guy is just be super respectful. And when you're training, try to pick the best training partner. I know it's, it's odd and then it's always going to be odd because we don't know everyone in the class. We might be new, we might be nervous, but don't be afraid to ask someone to train with you. And definitely don't be afraid to try and match body types, match ages, backgrounds, styles. You know, you don't want to put the new guy who's just just trying jujitsu in his mid thirties with the kid who just finished wrestling in high school, the different injuries that people have. You, these are, there's tons of stuff to be aware of. And I, and I wouldn't expect anyone to know it all coming in, but hopefully that's part of what we're doing is the more we talk about it, the more people can be aware of it and the more we can have a positive and a pleasant gym experience, because I'm sure it can be very intimidating and you don't know what to expect sometimes when you go into these different these different schools. Goyo's here. Next question. What are the five submissions that every white belt should know? I know that what I've taught over the years has definitely changed as I've grown and as I've learned. And I'm sure hopefully it's going to continue to do that as long as I'm teaching. I started teaching early as a white belt, which I don't recommend to anyone unless you absolutely have to. And I, I definitely have changed on what I think someone should know coming in. If you ask me what are the first five submissions a white belt should know, I would say they need to know definitely at least five different escapes to submissions. But I wouldn't be too concerned with them. At this point in my teaching career, I wouldn't be concerned with them learning to execute any submissions. I'd be more concerned with them escaping, recognizing and escaping submissions. That's just how I'm looking at it now. So what are the first five things that everybody should know? I'm starting with pin escapes now, positions and then pin escapes. Those are my favorite things. I don't show submissions for a long, long time. I want people to have a grasp of of the game and what and how the game is played rather than a Kimura or, or a triangle choke or an arm bar, which is the traditional way that jujitsu is taught. And especially in this last year, year and a half, I've gone through a lot of self-study and a lot of watching, you know, higher belts, people better than me, my instructor, and really formulating this idea of what what are the most crucial things to know and how do we make someone 
as good as possible as fast as possible. What's up, Katie? Hi. Oh, yeah. Really, okay. Sorry. You really, when you I gave really me permission, it muted you for a second. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Um. I'm using your talking points. I really appreciate you sending them over. And this is all really good stuff. Thank you. A lot of those, honestly, a lot of that are um, blog ideas I had that I was like, oh, these are cool talking points too. But I think it's kind of fun because you can really get into some opinion and some personal stuff. What talking point are you doing right now? The one I was on right now is what are the first five submissions every white belt should know? Ooh. And I was just talking about how that's changed a lot. And Greg, Greg is here. Greg, uh, he, can, he can testify to when people would first come into the garage compared to when they walk in now, it's completely different what I show someone brand new. Even probably from when you came in. Let's see. You covered the basics first. I think the first submission you showed me, so we were actually, we were working um, Butterfly Guard, which was interesting. And so taking that, that was really close to when I started, within like a week or two. And so I think besides Darces, which Chad had showed me, um, the first thing you showed me was a rear naked choke. And it went right along with what we were doing with the um, butter, like the butterfly sweeps and stuff. So, but I think when I wrote the blog for that particular talking point, my top five, I know I had asked you and Spencer about it both a few months ago. And for sure on there was rear naked choke. I want to say triangle was on there. Arm bar. And I want to say like arm contortion variations, such as the American or Kimura. I kind of grouped those together because they're really similar. And then I think I already said rear naked choke, but those are the four that I can remember offhand that are on there now. So what did you, what were your top five? You know, it, I guess it depends on kids or adults. The American is definitely on there uh, for kids. Okay. Um, guillotine. Like if we're talking competitors, if, if somebody, if, if somebody's going into uh, their first competition and I want to make sure that they know five subs, definitely guillotines on there because you see that a lot in comp. That's three, right? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Americana, Kimura, Guillotine. And then the classic one, too, the armbar and the and the triangle choke. Makes sense. Also, but, just a heads up, Chad is listening as well, but we can't listen on the same phone or on two different phones because it echoes like crazy. So you have him here, too. Yeah, I kick Jackie out. I make her go to the other room when, when she's <laughs> on. She's doing yoga right now. But yeah, I think personally for me, the more I got into jujitsu, the more I realized that there were some things that were going to be more difficult for me as a long-limbed lady, a triple L, if you will. Um, <laughs> and, and so the more I've gotten into it, the more I've I've realized what works for me and what doesn't. I think triangle, though, is one of those that is triangles, kimuras, arm bars, and uh, rear naked chokes and guillotines are doable no matter what body size you have and i think that's why they're so versatile no matter like when you start because there's things i can do now like the the ezekiel for example they are just not 100 effective for people who do not have as long limbs as i do just like uh, for tell me about the it. uh i've been crying about that one for a long time <laughs> so i think like the the head and arm triangle that we were working the other day doesn't really work for me personally and it's because there's just so much space because of how long my arms are so working it on big guys is a little better but people my size there's just so much extra wiggle room that i have to kind of switch to different things but yeah i think i think for my top five subs or You're the five, five subs to learn first 
was uh, were you talking about it like a top side arm triangle? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Do you should do it like Spencer does with the gable grip? Because he's got the longer arms too. Um, we did the one that Anthony that he showed. That one worked really well for me. Good, yeah. Um, but it's just one of those where I'm like, I'd rather not fight with it and move to something else. I'm yeah, a fan. So of that, 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 I'm a fan of that sub, and I think that's one that people should learn early and definitely learn how to defend. Is also the arm triangle. So yeah, I'd throw that in there too. Oh, I was gonna ask. We we'd gotten a question yesterday when Chad was on. Let me mm-hmm. see. Oh, okay. So David had asked yesterday when Chad was on about people saying that there shouldn't be any non-adult black belts in karate. And I'm, I'm assuming it was karate. But is that something that you guys are aware of? Is that something that you guys have a stance on? I agree with it to a certain point. I actually feel like I ended up getting my black belt a little too early. I don't feel like I was ready. But I had also been been training for eight or nine years by that point. So I don't know. To me, I, I think it's more of an ability thing. If you have the ability to do it, if you're at that that level and you're performing at that level, then I do think you uh, you deserve it at that point. In my style, though, uh, you're allowed to get the first degree black belt prior to, uh, to 18 years old, but you have to wait till you're 18 um, to go beyond that. And then oh, after, okay. yeah, and then uh, second degree, once you get that one to move on from that, you have to be 21. So those are those are kind of the restrictions in my own personal style. But yeah, I think that's kind of a kind of a shaky area for some people because you know you can do it for 10 years, but there's so many people that start really young, and you know they might be miles ahead of of a lot of different people. So I don't know. I think once your your physical uh, your physical capabilities kind of catch up to that, that's kind of kind of my stance. That was a really good question that David sent in because it's something that I'm seeing now with jujitsu. You're, you're, we're having these 16-year-old kids, you know, 15 and 16-year-old kids that are beating grown men. But I know karate has had this issue for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, I think, like, for me personally, um, a lot of it has to do with comprehension, too. Like, karate is a very traditional martial art, and there's a lot behind it besides, you know, like, learning the movements. Um, And if you can comprehend why you're learning something and why it's valuable to you and kind of the history behind it, I think that at that point um, you can consider being moved up to higher belts. But the thing is with a lot of martial arts and it breaks my heart to see this with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu too, is a lot of times people, I think a lot of people will promote based off of like monetary reasons or they'll set time limits where if you train for one year, (laughs) um so like and to me i think that's so disappointing it doesn't matter what martial art is or i also i personally disagree with like hard set time limits of like if you train for exactly one year you get your blue belt and two years you get your purple belt and to me i think that that can really limit or that can boost people when it's not when it's not their time you know what i mean and so i think a lot of it it's as much dependent on the instructor as it is the student. I think a lot of it is too. I mean, knowing, being able to comprehend like how your student's doing and being able to confidently say, I am willing to put you at a high belt and have you carry my gym's name with you, if that makes sense. It does. And that's, um, that's something that I wasn't aware of coming into and that I'm still learning. You know, <clears throat> I definitely, because I opened a gym so early in my, in my martial arts career, 
I deferred all of that stuff to Spencer, and you know, I'm <laughs> very happy that he even just hears out my my opinions on it. But it's it's a lot to put something on someone because they represent you, and even I mean, nobody we don't know how long they've trained with us. You know, if they just come and say, "Hey, they, you know, I'm I'm from Zia or I trained at Zia," you know, they could have trained with us for a month or two, but. That really affects how people think of you and see uh, your teaching style outside your your school. Oh yeah, and like karate has a bad rap, and it's because a sometimes it's deserved. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's for sure deserved. Um, but it's because a lot of promotions are monetarily based now. Unfortunately, I think karate got very commercialized about thirty years ago. You, you're starting to see it a lot with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu today, but I think karate went through that that phase about thirty years ago. And so now you're what you see a lot, about ninety percent of the karate out there is is very commercialized and well, I I agree, not very very high quality. I, I agree because it was just massively popular, you know, in the in the eighties, seventies, eighties, nineties. Karate was like almost the only martial art aside. Well, wrestling you count, of course, and wrestling's always been popular here. But what happened with karate is really sad because there are some really good schools, but there's a, a lot of really, you know, questions. Yeah, the, the good ones are very hard to find. Every every really good school I've been to, there's maybe like three or four students. <laughs> and all the bad ones got, you know, a hundred. And so, and, but, and why is that? Because I've, this has been on my mind too, is I see videos and I see other schools and I'm not trying to downplay anybody, but what's the draw to that when you see these guys that are you know charging a lot for questionable martial arts and and what's you know what's your stance on that because that's something that frustrates me sometimes i don't know when i always just don't say shit you know (laughs) as a forward this is a hot topic in the petty household fun fact (laughs) so we could rant about this for days um let's take it first i don't think there's anything I, i will say this Right off the bat, I don't think there's anything wrong with gyms making money. Like, you know, the, the owners should be able to, uh, you know, it is their job. It takes time and effort out of it. So, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with people making money. I don't think they should do it for free. But that being said, I think where you run into, like, the McDojo is that they've they focus so much on the business side that the, uh, the martial arts side, the essence of, you know, why we all really do it just kind of disappears. And it becomes more of a product that they're that they're trying to sell rather than rather than uh something special that we uh that time that we train together right i i I think that's kind of where where it becomes so it's it's directed at people who may not have full understanding of martial arts yet a lot of instant gratification things like that i think it's kind of predatory in in a way it's all it's just all on the business side they're they're pushing that product and I, I think that's why it ends up becoming very popular because it's it's designed to be that way. It's designed to make money. Yeah. Whereas the 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 good school, you know, you actually have to go and work hard and that's not always the popular option. Yeah, sadly a lot of people just want something to be easy. Martial arts is it's very difficult. What do you think? I think like I think something that frustrates me personally. Because you get, you, I love how Chad said that, instant gratification, right? Because um, it feels good to get a stripe. We all know that. Like, you love, like, leveling up. You love getting a new belt. Um, but what really bothers me is a lot of gyms, and it doesn't matter what kind of gym you're going to, they always sell it for self-defense. Um, every single gym I've ever been to said, 
oh, don't worry, we can teach you how to defend yourself. And that's all fine and dandy. However, when you go to those like quick gratification, buy your belt gyms, you will not learn how to defend yourself. Sorry. Like that's just facts. The likeliness of you actually being able to defend yourself in a street fight, if you have like maybe mediocre knowledge of half of a martial art and you're a black belt, like you're going to get hurt. And to me, I think that's an incredibly predatory way to go about teaching anyone. Um, so personally for me, if I had to like pick a pet peeve as far as gyms like that go, that's it. Especially gyms that sell self-defense for women. And then you go in and it's this like, oh, you're going to hit the heavy bag twice. And then we're going to like dance to some music and you'll be able to defend yourself. Like, no. Um, so... Yeah, I <laughs> for I, me, I, and some gyms like that's their bread and butter. It's either a bullyproofing program or it's a women's self defense program, and you know we see a lot of people selling. That's that's my struggle is you know when do you say something, and does it even matter if you do say something? Because the hard thing is to balance that making money, right, and still giving a quality product. But I think the problem lies when you start sacrificing the product for for the money, right? Yes, for sure. We put a coach in that we don't believe in just to fill a space or or we have, you know, we're advertising something and and we, we know we're just not delivering, but we keep it up there anyway, you know? Yeah. I always give disclaimers and you guys know because, again, I'm a new martial artist, so you know, I always tell people what I'm teaching is beginner stuff. We go over the basics and nothing else. I don't claim to know anything more than I do. And I, what I do know is very minimal. Well, and I think like, I think that's the sign of a, a good coach and be someone who is always willing to learn. And I think that like having a coach who's like, heck yeah, I might have 10 years of experience, but I want to learn and I want to continue to learn. And this is my experience. I think that's a sign of a really good coach. The people you have to watch out for are the coaches that are like, I have my way and that is the only correct way. And if you don't do it this way, you can leave my gym and you can leave inexperienced. And so to me, I would much rather have a coach that's like, here's what I get. And I'm continuing to learn every day over a coach that's like, I'm great. I know I'm great, but I have one way I do things and that's it. To me, that's a really dangerous mindset, and that's a good way to get someone hurt. Because, for example, like with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I'm not going to roll the way Samson rolls. But if Samson's coaching and is like, this is the only way you can do this, which, of course, he would never, ever do. But like as an example, if that was a coaching mindset, that's a good way to get people who don't have that style hurt, right? And so to me, again, if you're learning, that's the important thing. That's a, good, that's a great point. And, you know, <laughs> it's funny. We were having I had this conversation uh, earlier. Uh, Spencer was talking about me as a white belt when I first came into his gym. And this is kind of on the topic of, you know, what should people, what should white belts know? It's more on the topic of what shouldn't white belts know. But when I came in, man, I bugged him and bugged him to teach me the Imanari role. And he wouldn't teach me. He said, he told me, he's like, I don't know it. And it's not that he didn't know it. It's just, he, you know, he said, I don't know it well enough to teach it. He's like, so I'm not going to show it to you. And, uh, and I got mad. I was like, I was like, man, he, he knows that he just doesn't want to show me. I was a, you know, <laughs> I was a stupid white belt. So I looked it up on YouTube, like every great white belt does. And I practice and practice. And now, man, that is one of the worst things I could have ever done. Because <laughs> I and, and Greg's online. I hope you're listening. Because what happened was I taught it to Greg. And then 
Greg as a white belt was Imanari rolling and not drilling, you know, take fundamental takedowns and stuff like that. So here we are, you know, failing Imanari rolls in competition. And I did too, man. I had a lot of failed Imanari rolls in competition. So that's on the list of something that white belts shouldn't know is the Imanari roll. How about the buggy choke, coach? <laughs> Tell me what your opinions are on the buggy choke. That is <laughs> my words. <laughs> The buggy choke is definitely on that list too. And it's so, I hate the buggy choke with all of my being right now because it's winning. People are winning fucking ADCC matches with it. And it's just <laughs> so frustrating, man. Is there something like that in karate that you have the same thing about Chad? Maybe in, in like in point fighting in the, in the competitive sphere, a lot of people can score head kicks with very sloppy kicks that wouldn't do any damage in a real fight. For instance, like there's a scorpion kick, which uh, basically you dip your head and you kick over over your back, and oh, it's, okay. it's, it looks really cool, and it's you know and it's a really flexible, like a really big feat of flexibility, but it it doesn't cause any damage, but they get three points out of it if if it lands, and so that's one that really really bugs me. <laughs> I'm glad to know it's not just jujitsu that that should exist in. Because, man, the, bu the buggy choke is killing me right now. I've internalized it. <laughs> the buggy choke. <laughs> and so the thing um, is that it's, it's not great for everybody. I think it's one of those things that's on my list of shit I hate because I can't do. Oh, oh no. Like uh, easy killing in a... In some, well, someone else has you mounted. What, we were what were we talking about the other day? Where I had that crazy long limb easy kill privilege. Oh yeah, yeah. Ezekieling from bottom mount is on is on that list too, and that's that's all shit that you can do because you're built for it. <laughs> Which I would, I, I had to give a PSA to Spencer. I was like, listen, Mara <laughs> gave me permission, so if you see me doing this nonsense, just know I had permission. <laughs> you're gonna get me in trouble over here. No more. <laughs> The problem is is when the other white belts start doing it. So the Jackie, other white belts. Yeah, no, no, we can't, we can't have that. But Jackie, Jackie laughs at me because there's this uh, when Infinity Wars was coming out. There's this Red Skull meme. It's where he tells him he's like, "I guide others to a treasure I can't possess." And yes, 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 yes I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my gosh! So Jackie told me one time, she's like, "That's you in the," she's like, "That's you in the, uh, the rubber guard." <laughs> and I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, oh, no. So it's a, there's a long list of shit that I can't do, but I but I, I lead people to them. And, and that's definitely one of them. We appreciate it. You're a real one. <laughs> my triangle would not be my triangle if it wasn't for your, your coaching, so. No, that's the cool thing is that we we have the ability to really coach to someone's strengths and build individual games on top of giving them very sound curriculum consistently and i think that's one of the things that 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 helps us is because everyone's unique and we find ways to fine-tune you know everyone's game everyone's come along so so well for sure absolutely well that's another one goyo's still goyo's still camera or microphone shy but we'll hopefully get him on soon Thank you guys. I love talking to you and I want to bring you guys both back 
because I feel like, you know, there's definitely more stuff that I want to get into with each of you separately and as a couple again, you know, definitely let's set something up. Sounds like a plan. All right, cool. We'll talk to you later, guys. Peace.